Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, president of Premier Speakers Bureau and your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. Our guest today is Rocky Blyer. Uh, Rocky is a national champion uh, in uh, college football with Notre Dame. He's a four-time Super Bowl champion. He's an Army veteran uh, and uh, also just has this amazing story of fighting back. When we were looking at speakers that we wanted to have, you know, we're coming up on the Super Bowl. Uh, so four-time Super Bowl champion, great for that. Uh, we're coming up into 21, and if there was an, ever a year for fighting back, uh, 2021 is it. So Rocky is a great speaker uh, for that. And then finally, you know, Rocky was the first speaker that I ever booked at Premier in January of 2021 years ago. I booked Rocky for my very first event here at Premier. So Rocky, thank you so much for joining us here on the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Thank you. So, uh, so Rocky, uh, we're recording this here uh, just days before the Super Bowl. We've got an epic matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, defending Super Bowl champion, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady at the quarterback uh, position. So, Rocky, to put you on the spot right off the bat, who are you picking to win this Super Bowl? Um, well, I, I tell you what, I, and, and I'm probably picking it from my heart. Um, but I also think that they have a, 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 a great chance, and, and that's uh, I'm picking Tampa Bay. Uh, and, and the reason that I'm picking Tampa Bay is just to see their progress uh, throughout the season, how they started um, and losing games early, and then all of a sudden gelling together and having this great momentum uh, as they went into the playoffs going for them. Um, and their fan base is exciting. The fact is that they have Tom Brady, which is a big factor there from a leadership point of view, from an experience point of view, um, and, uh, and 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 then having watching that team buy into one another and and carry that momentum. Now, it's, as we well know, it's uh, he who makes the least amount of mistakes <laughs> and will eventually win that game. Uh, but I think that the way they've played and in in the playoffs. And in the championship game, they'll continue um, into the Super Bowl. Uh, and it'll be a, a, a tight game, but I think that they'll come out on top. So, you know, right, right now we're in 2021, which is, you know, coming off 2020, which is one of the more unique years that we've ever had. And, you know, your story of fighting back, you know, playing uh, Notre Dame, being a national champion uh, with an amazing team. I think you only gave up something like 20, 30 points all season, which is, which is amazing. And then being drafted into the military, you know, going to Vietnam. Uh, can you walk us through? Uh, I know that's a longer story, but maybe just some of some of the points of that story. And then, um, you know, what what that changed in your life? Well, obviously, as you were telling the story, you know, and I was first, you know, I was very happy to be able to be drafted in the NFL. And so I, I was a highly touted, the 16th round draft choice <laughs> doesn't even exist anymore. Um, and so I was a 417th person picked playing in the draft. But I think because of uh, the, uh, the coaching that I received at Notre Dame um, and, and uh, the fundamentals that were taught got me into the, the NFL. And I was one of four rookies to make the team that year. Um, 
until it was 1968, height of the war that was taking place. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, basically I just fell through the cracks and I got my 1A classification during that season after 10 games and I got drafted uh, into the army and boom, you're gone and ended up in Vietnam. As the story goes, then got wounded twice and, um, uh, and the prognosis was that not be able to come back and play uh, again because of the injuries that had taken place. Well, it's kind of a mindset, and I suppose the mindset becomes very important no matter what you do and what, how we even get through this pandemic and what our future is and, uh, and overcoming obstacles. And the mindset was, you know, I didn't lose a, a limb, damaged, but, you know, when you play sports, you get hurt. You know, you get pulls, you get uh, um, you might have tears here, there, and you get sore, but you, you learn that in time they heal and ultimately you go back and play. So in the backyard, in the neighborhood, in uh, organized sports, in college, you know, that was kind of the method. So as I, I, I thought about my, my opportunity and that's what it was, uh, and the Steelers were kind enough to allow me to come back. Um, and, you know, they bought me a couple years. They put me in injured reserve. I made the taxi squad. Um, for whatever reason they saw, they gave me that chance. And so you have to do something with that opportunity. And I was able to get myself back into shape and finally be able to make the team, playing special teams um, in 1972. Then all of a sudden, in 72, you know, things um, kind of change. Franco Harris comes in and uh, becomes a, a rookie of the year uh, as a running back. We, we go to the playoffs and uh, we have the one play that changes the course and direction of the team called the immaculate reception, deflected pass in the seconds, uh, last seconds of the game to be able to score and win the game. So all of a sudden we get on a track. But I think the, the biggest thing is that, you know, you don't give up. Hopefully you got to focus uh, and you get goals in which you want to, um, uh, to achieve. I think in my mind, basically, is that, you know, a lot of us were at times, we, you, you say, what if, what if, what if I would have done that? What if I worked out more? What if, and we question our own ability. And you get to a point where hopefully you go, you know, uh, I don't want to be able to ask myself, what if down the line, uh, if I didn't make the team, you know, I, I should have done this. I should have done that. So you kind of, you race as best you possibly can all those what ifs. And then wherever, wherever that takes you, at least you're not living in the past and, uh, and, and, and making excuses, but you go, okay, fine. It didn't work out. My life goes in a different direction and hopefully I can set another goal and path to be able to achieve it. Well, we get a chance to, to, to make the team. We get a chance to play and then, because of an injury here, there, you know how the game goes. And all of a sudden, um, like 1974, I'm in the starting backfield with Franco and we go to the Super Bowl for the first time. And then we play six, four years together and we win four more Bowls. And um, I get a nice career after 11 years in, in playing in the NFL. What was your most memorable Super Bowl moment? My mo pro well, probably my most <laughs> <laughs> probably my most memorable <laughs> was uh, Super Bowl thirteen. My Super Bowl thirteen. So the third time that we, we were in the Super Bowl, we're playing Dallas Cowboys for the second time. 
um, and uh, it was right before the half. And we had the ball, and we're on the seven-yard line. It was third and one for a, um, a, a first down, keep a momentum going. And the play was just a quick pass play to the halfback myself where I go right down the line of scrimmage. Bradshaw would throw it to me. You know, I'd catch it, fall over the line to pick up the first down or pick up whatever yardage I could. And, and so the ball was snapped, and I broke out of my stance, and my opponent – jumped across and took my path. I couldn't get down the line of scrimmage, so I cut it short and just all of a sudden found myself up um, upfield. Um, and Bradshaw had to respond. I wasn't down the line of scrimmage, so he starts to scramble. And then he throws the ball um, at the last minute to me in the end zone. And I see it coming in, and I had a leap. I mean, I had a leap. Oh, I didn't think I was good. My thought at that moment of time was that if I could get my fingers on it, if I could just push it down, you know, it might fall into my hands. I throw my hands up and it thunk, it stuck right there. And I come down. Um, and as I tell people, I don't know how high I jump. <laughs> Maybe 18, 19, 20 feet. I forget after all these years, it was pretty high. But anyway, so that gave, that gave us a lead. That gave us, that gave us a lead. Uh, and then uh, a lead ultimately, as we say, that we never relinquished thereafter. Um, but that was probably, you know, the thing. and it made the cover of Sports Illustrated, which is, which is always nice. But here's the interesting thing, Brian, is that I had a chance to go back and take a look at, because after years, you know, you say, well, what kind of game did I have? Okay, so I had one pass. So what kind of game did you have? You know, you don't think about it. How many times did you carry the ball and so on and so on? So I went back and looked at the statistics. So in the statistics was this. I carried the ball twice for two yards. <laughs> I caught one pass and recovered one onside kick. But I made the cover of Sports Illustrated <laughs> <laughs> because of that one pass. So it's only all it has to take is just one one big play to be able to make a difference <laughs> within, a, within a team. So do you have any good stories? Like I love little behind the scenes Super Bowl stories. So that's an amazing one that everybody's seen, but or or a whole lot of people have have seen. What's maybe some of the behind the scenes stories from the Super Bowl or leading up to it that you could share? Well, one of it, one of them is this. This is, and we're going back to the first time we're playing the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and uh, so this was in '75 um, of the '75 season, and uh, so we're playing down in Miami uh, in the game. So it was towards the end of the game. We had um, we had had lead. It was in the fourth quarter. Um, we had maybe we had two minutes left in the in 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 the quarter. Um, Bradshaw had just um, um, throw a touchdown to uh, Lynn Swan to give us to, to give us a lead, um, and in that course he got knocked out of the game. Um, he got hit by the linebacker. Okay, and so Terry Hanready was our backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, uh, we scored. We kick off to them. Um, they drive the ball down, and um, they score. They kick off to us. We get the ball. Now the clock's ticking down. We still have a lead. Here's the situation. It's fourth down. We got the ball on the 40-yard line, 
It's fourth down, seven yards to go. Well, you're thinking, okay, fine, let's just punt the ball, get it down deep, let the defense take over from there and be able to stop, you know, stop the opponent. All of a sudden, there's a timeout at the sidelines. Well, a timeout? What's going on in timeout? <laughs> we leave the offense on the field. I'm thinking, we kind of punt the ball. Or if you're not going to punt the ball, then you got to throw the ball downfield. And if they intercept it, it's like a punt, you know, and um, – but we're going to eat up some time. We're going to run the ball. Got to give it to Franco. I mean, because that's what he does. And, um, and so Terry Henry runs off to the sidelines, comes back in. And so I'm, I go, okay, what's, what's the play? What's, what's the play? He goes, what's the play? He doesn't tell me. Gets in the huddle. He goes, all right. Full right split. That's the formation. 84 trap. On two, I'm going 84, 84 trap. 80, that's a strong side trap where I'm carrying the ball. I'm <laughs> carrying the ball. Seven yards. I'm going. And as we break the huddle, he said, run out as much time as you can. And I'm going, I'm not a run out guy. Franco's <laughs> a run out guy. I'm an A to B guy. Just, I'm an A to B. And I thought, this is the worst play that's ever called in the history of the Super Bowl at this time in this location. And the reason that Chuck wanted to run the ball was that they had blocked one of our punts earlier, and hmm. he just didn't want to give them that position to do so. <sighs> and the ball was snapped. Hanratty spins around, gives me the ball, boom, two yards. <laughs> And we give it back to him. And it was like two seconds off the clock. I didn't run anything off the clock. It was like the clock had stopped. It started again. Boom. And, that, and I thought, oh, that was the worst call in the history of the NFL, of the Super Bowl, that play specifically. Fortunately, they get the ball and they start moving it. And they get the ball back and they move it. Uh, uh, and they move it down the field and move it down the field, throw into the end zone, throw into the end zone. We intercept it in the end zone to win the game. But I felt really bad on the sidelines thinking that I lost this game because I couldn't pick up the seven yards that were needed to, but, but in my mind, I still think that was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness. So, um, you know, one of the things too, uh, just getting back to the bigger picture, you know, a lot of people right now are going through some difficult times. And, and part of that, I think, in your story too, is going back and facing those difficult times. So not long ago, ESPN did a really big story uh, with you of going back to Vietnam, going back to the place where this terrible thing had happened to you. Yeah. Can you walk us through maybe one, how that came about, and then just, just what happened while you were there? It, 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 you know, actually, that, that whole process, and I, I, and I forgot about it, it, it was like a 10-year process before we went back. We're going to go we're gonna go do it uh, for the 40th anniversary. And so then all of a sudden, the, the schedules got screws put on the shelf. And, the, and then, uh, we, anyway, they came back and they said, well, we'd like to go back to Vietnam. Would you like to go back to Vietnam? And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it would be fine. Um, and I think that you have to put it in the perspective of this, is that I really didn't need it to go back to Vietnam. 
on. It wasn't a big thing that I, you know, had to heal or, or, or get back in touch. Um, unlike, and so let's just put this in perspective, unlike the majority of returning uh, Vietnam veterans during that period of time in the last, latter part of the 60s in the 70s, was that because of um, uh, the feeling about the American population about that war, that the soldier was identified with the conflict. And so he was looked down upon, unlike today, where we thank our, 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 our soldiers for their service. Uh, the Vietnam veteran uh, was spat upon. He, was, he, he wasn't accepted. There was no place for him to go to be able to talk about their experiences and so on. Um, and VFW didn't really embrace them. American Legion didn't embrace that, that, that veteran. Uh, and so they had to repress their feelings, go about their lives, and, uh, and adapt as best they possibly could. I, on the other hand, only because I came back to play this game of football, became a story. So I became a story. And so I had to talk about my feelings. Well, how do you feel? How does it, you know, how do you relate? What the, what's the correlation between football and being in, in, in the service? So I had to come up with the answers. And so I talked about it and I talked about it and I talked about it for 40 years. And I continued to talk about it and, and, um, in that regard. So there was a big catharsis for me because I got it out and, you know, and, and, uh, and so going back, I said, I don't know what to expect really in all honesty, only because I've talked about it all these many years and I've come to, you know, um, a pretty good conclusion about my feelings and so on. I, um, I didn't have any really traumatic experiences of, 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 of atrocities that took place, although we were in firefights and we were under pressure, but so we go back and, um, and, and so we were out in the field, and we finally found the, the exact spot where um, the, um, the firefight had taken place and where I got hit. Uh, um, and so Tom Rinaldi the, uh, asked me the question, he said, how do you feel? And out of the blue, honest to God, Brian, out of the blue, out of left field, all of a sudden this emotion came back to me that, I thought was buried or not necessary. I mean, from the from the soles of my feet came up through my body this emotional setback, and all of a sudden I become started to cry, and I, and I couldn't understand why. And it, oh, and it, and I just really got sick. I mean, so to the point where just my internal intestines like needed to flow out of me. Um, and, um, and so ultimately I went, I went back and sat down and I passed out. And so, um, came to, wasn't long, and, you know, and <laughs> the whole crew was like, Oh my God, what happened to this guy? I mean, he's, <laughs> he's supposed to protect him. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, I know he's old, but geez, <laughs> um, but it gave, so it gave me a sense. It just gave me a sense of trauma of, um, that can be experienced by, by humanity or by soldiers in stressful times um, that I can understand uh, mental health problems because of that kind of a trauma. I mean, this was years later that I felt that 
that that sadness that had taken place. Um, and, uh, you know, people feel it at different times and soldiers feel it at different times. So it really kind of gave me personally that insight of post-traumatic stress uh, and how it affects us, not only in, 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 in because of combat, but it happens in first responders. Um, it happens within... Um, major trauma to our personal lives, accidents, losing people, and so on, um, that, can, uh, that, can, that can, affect us, can affect us. And so that was, you know, that was, that was my response. By, and, and I'm glad, you know, there's part of that the story that I was glad it was able to come back and, and, and go through that um, and, and maybe give me a, a closing that I, I thought I had before that uh, – that really meant something at this time. So, yeah. What advice would you give to people who have gone through difficult things? You know, I think, you know, I think the, I think the biggest thing is that it's very difficult um, to talk about trauma. I mean, it's difficult if you go through it in, 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 in what needs to be done is that it needs to be talked about. You know, uh, in in those in those experiences as best possibly can. You know, with it be if it be professional help in some regards, um, it, it could be with family, um, but it has to be confronted. And I really believe that um, the one just the 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 ability to talk about your experience, whatever that experience was. Um, that has been um, harmful or impactful of, of, of having to go on through some atrocities and or personal injuries um, that we don't do as human beings necessarily. But I think that is the first step to be able to, um, to admit it, look at it, and be able to move forward and uh, that we're not invincible um, and so, you know, human traits are, well, we don't talk about that. Human traits are, you know, we're tough people and, and uh, we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not sensitive. We don't, you know, need to express that. Well, uh, but we do. And I think that's the, probably the most important thing at the time is just be able to do that and, uh, and to talk about uh, uh, what, what has happened. So that's it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things that we like to do in this podcast is get questions from different people. And this one, and I, I know I mentioned this to you off here beforehand, but uh, one of the biggest Pittsburgh Steelers fans ever is our, is our silent producer, Eric. And so he came up with some specific questions for you that he's curious about. He being a huge Steelers fan, huge Rocky Blyer fan. So the first one he had was, how do you handle, how did you handle being told you wouldn't be able to play again? Oh, you know, well, you know, I mean, so my my mindset in, in, of not being able to be played again was the, as I had men, mentioned before, was a simple fact that, you know, uh, injuries are a part of whatever our lives are. You know, you get serious injuries, you get um, in college, I had a, a torn ligament, you know, my knees. So, so that you overcome that and, you know, you come back and you do the things that are necessary to go and, and play. So when people said that, you know, I just kind of took it as a grain of 
salt, as they say, you know, and and not really internalized. It, it doesn't it didn't become an excuse for me. So I wanted to erase those excuses, as we talked about. So I became very, you know, focused. I, I think bigger, the, the biggest thing is, you know, to be able to um, get rid of all those what-haves, would-haves and could-haves and should-haves that we carry in our lives. You know, if I would have done this, if I would have worked out harder, if I would have, you know. And so that's the best thing that you possibly do, is you, if you possibly can, is try to focus on what, what needs to be done at the at the moment of time and get yourself back uh, in shape to be able to play and um, and, uh, and and then hopefully get an opportunity uh, you know so you can only control what you can control and that was getting my body in shape was the only thing I could control I could control whether I made the team or not that was left up to somebody else but that was that was my response. What made football the sport that you wanted to fight so hard to get back to? You know, because I think that because well, what it was a recognition, all right? I think all of us like to be recognized for something. I enjoyed playing sports uh, as a kid growing up, like everybody else played in the backyard. We had some success, you know, and it wasn't because I was successful. It was you played on teams that were successful. And because of that, they – they, they just uh, would raise your expectation. Plus the other fact that you became, then you were identified with it. And so you became kind of uh, successful. So you, I was at Notre Dame and we won a national championship. Well, that, that's pretty good. And um, I got a chance to, to be able to start in those, it, during that period of time. And so you got recognition for that. So you come to the Steelers the and, and you make it in the, in, in the pros. And so you're playing special teams, you know, and, but, but you're there. And so that, that, that probably that ego um, recognition was very important to me. Um, and then you go, oh, okay, fine. I, I had that focus. It wasn't as if I, wanted to do anything else. I mean, it wasn't as if I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, run the bar back in Appleton, Wisconsin. So football was kind of that avenue that set you aside. You know, people recognized you, get a little pat on the back for, you know, being a part of a, uh, of a professional team and, and making that status. So that, that fed one's ego. And so you wanted to do better and do better and do better. And I was kind of the guy, you know, that I was very, I was very coachable, you know, so I was all the way through and uh, I would do whatever anybody would tell me to do and focused on, you know, how to get better, and, you know, and, uh, um, and so that just kind of helped me as I went, you know, went through things didn't come naturally, but you worked on them, you know, and so um and, uh, and, and, and so that, that, that became a driving force as well. Mm -hmm. What was that first training camp like back in the seventies? Well, they, when I came back, you know, this, so the, 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 the first was just, you know, you're, you're back. Um, I trying to, <laughs> trying to make the team, you know, and you know, hopefully get an opportunity. And, and so, you know, you're just back within that, uh, within that realm of, 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 uh, of 
being going back to, to training camp again. Basically, you know, that that was wasn't anything, you know, different. It was still the unknown. It was like being a rookie again. Um, and you never know what's going to happen. And hopefully you get a chance to at least show, prove or something. And, uh, you know, and I went through that first year, it was it, the, the first training camp and it was tough. I, it, I you know, I might've come back a little too, too soon. Um, because of, it just, uh, it, it took a toll on my body and, um, there were things that I, um, I just couldn't do. I mean, my foot actually, it, it just, it, 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 um, <laughs> it was, you know, oh yeah, I just two day sessions beating up, uh, and, uh, you know, I was limping and I uh, was trying to get through. And, uh, um, that was, that uh, was a, that was a, that was a tough thing. And so anyway, but, but you, you got it, you got, the, I got all the way through. And, um, I, I remember I came into the locker room, uh, at the end, uh, uh, the last day, it was the last day of, of training camp and I thought oh well okay nobody said anything yet you know <laughs> and so I'm, I'm I'm in my locker and then all of a sudden um uh, Ralph Berlin who was our trainer and he was he was what we called the, the Turk he was the one that would inform you that uh the coach would like to see you mm. so he stops in I'm looking around thinking, oh, well, maybe he stops and he says, uh, the Rockies said, uh, Chuck would like to like to see you. Mm -hmm. Kiss of death was, and bring your playbook. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was, I'm going, oh, okay, fine. So I went to see Chuck. He got up and he said, uh, <clears throat> he said, I, uh, we, we waved you today and um, we, uh, I want you to go home, do what's necessary, get yourself back um, in shape and uh, or whatever, and and, and come back uh, next year. Mm. And uh, I argued with him. <laughs> I don't know where I got this gumption. I said, "You sure? Are you sure?" Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, can I practice today? I mean, can I go to? I didn't know what else to do, and and so it let me go to practice. And it was finally when I was at, it went to practice. I'm thinking, what am I doing at practice? I mean, I'm it was over with. Well, um, and so I was heartbroken, obviously, because of the situation. And I the next morning I got a call from Dan Rooney, and Dan, um, who was then president of the club, Art's son, had taken over, and he said. Uh, he said, I'm sorry I wasn't there yesterday. He said, I talked to Chuck um, and we're not going to take up a roster spot, but um, we're going to put you in injured reserve. Uh, I want our doctors to take a look at you um, and, um, and see if there's something they can do. And maybe you can come back and help us towards the end of the season. Wow. So I had, uh, I had some shrapnel that was working its way out um, of my foot. So we had another operation and broke up some scar tissue and, 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 and but, but they bought me a year and they paid me a salary and, you know, and I was hanging around and went through rehab. And so went through and then eventually come back to meetings and kind of being, being there suited up and then came back the following year, you know, a little bit better. Um, so, you never know where the opportunities would come. And um, so they gave, as I said before, they 
to that chance, that opportunity. But that's <laughs> that's what that unknown first season was like coming back. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you've had so many changes in your life from playing Notre Dame, Vietnam, uh, being with the Steelers. Uh, what was the transition like uh, to become a you know really successful speaker and then also having a one-man play? <laughs> well, that's, thank you very much for bringing that up. You know, it, it, the, 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 so, so the, from being a speaker, okay, so let's, let's take it from that. And, and that's where we started, um, is that, you know, it just, it just didn't, it just didn't happen. Um, so he got invited to do sports banquets, you know, mm-hmm. early on. And the only reason is that, you know, I had somewhat of a, of a story and somebody said, well, would you come and, you know, talk to the grade school sports banquet and you go, okay, fine. And, um, so, uh, as I tell people, I, I, I wrote a speech. I mean, so I wrote a speech and it was, um, it was like basically like this speech. Okay. And I have it here and I take it out and, uh, and hold it. It's, and say, it goes something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure to be here. A lot of things have happened to me over the last couple of years, some of them good and some of them bad. Then like after um, two, three years, I could go, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of things have happened to me over the last couple of years, (laughs) some of them good and some of them bad. Then after three or four more years, I could put it on three by five cards. You know? <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of things have happened to me over the last couple of years. Some of them good and some of them bad. And that was the, <laughs> and that was the beginning. Now, because we won, okay, because we were winning Super Bowls, then we became popular. And because we became popular, um, you had a story to tell. And so I think I did every sports banquet in western Pennsylvania, <laughs> eastern part of Ohio, <laughs> upstate New York, and the panhandle of West Virginia in that, in, in that area. Um, and so that becomes a basis of, you know, of, of being able to tell a story and you recreate it and you put jokes in stories. Um, and uh, And then after I retired, I thought, well, that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. That was the end of it. Until somebody calls, like Brian Lord. <laughs> Would you do this? You know, and you go, oh, oh, okay, fine. And so that's that's how it developed, and that's became a basis. And um, then you try to, you know, be informative and try to take care of the uh, customer and the audience and give them a story and, and relate it to their personal lives as well. And you know, and um, um, and then. You become a speaker <laughs> You're on the circuit, as they say. So, Rocky, you've got this really successful one-man play. Can you tell us about that as well? Uh, well, yeah, thank you. And it, it's called uh, it's called the play with Rocky Blair, um, and uh, it was written by uh, Gene Collier, um, who is a sports writer here in, in Pittsburgh, and has written some screenplays in the, in the past and so we've been able to perform it, but it, it takes place in, in, in three bars, basically going over my life and goes back to Appleton, Wisconsin. And then we start uh, talking about Appleton and, and, the, and the characters that I grew up with and the people 
uh, within the, that, that, that area. And uh, then it morphs into a um, Pittsburgh, a Pittsburgh bar. Um, and we talk about Pittsburgh and, and the Steelers and then going into the military, as we talked about before. And then the third uh, bar is my home bar, reflective bar, in which we then talk about what makes the Steelers, you know, what kept them together for that period of time. And so then we go back and um, we, we talk about the Super Bowls, but then we talk about Super Bowl 13, <laughs> in which we discussed earlier, um, and uh, and the impact that that had. And so um, it's uh, been well that, uh, uh, an excellent uh, production, The uh, and not because I'm starring in it, but the, the set <laughs> and the sound and, uh, and everything that makes a live performance, a live performance uh, uh, was really brought to uh, to fruition. So uh, we're very happy to uh, be able to uh, continue to uh, do it and, uh, and and present it. And we've had the opportunity to, to move it around the country and and, uh, and perform it in, in different uh, uh, venues uh, around the around the country. So it's uh, it was a great experience to be able to do that uh, and. Uh, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, Rocky, well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, you know, your message resonates so well right now with where we are in, as a country and obviously with the sports world as well. So we really appreciate you coming on and uh, being a guest on the Beyond Speaking podcast. <laughs> Brian, thank you very much. Here's to a, 20, a 2021, a better year. So, <laughs> Absolutely. And for, yes. those, uh, for those tuning in, make sure to uh, go to Beyond Speaking Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And also check out Rocky Blyer at premierspeakers.com. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking Podcast. To learn more about today's guest, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen. 